Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to our latest Outsports podcast. This is Sid and Jim, and believe it or not, we spent the night watching baseball. Uh, pro- probably for the first time in 365 days, we were both glued to the set, texting back and forth like it was like it was an NFL Sunday. Jim, uh, did you did you get much sleep last night, or did you just stay up thinking about that game? Well, the great thing about West Coast time is the game ended about quarter to ten, so it was uh, <clears throat> not a problem. But it's it's my thing. I I can get involved in any big event if it's a a one-off deal. Like watched the World Cup soccer final. I you know watched the Olympic gold medal hockey final. I could kind of watch anything that you know that has a one-off. And given the history yesterday and the fact that it turned out to be a great game. I mean, at one point it was five-one. And it was right. like, okay, this is going to be a coronation for the Cubs. <laughs> and then when that guy hit the home run in the eighth inning, it was kind of like a really holy crap moment, you know, that you're like, you cannot believe that just happened because it was very, very Cub-like to sort of, you know, have your best relief pitcher, have his arm basically blown out, and then totally choke. And then they came, out, they came back to win. And I think the rain delay was – was maybe a sign from the heavens because that kind of saved their butt, I think, because it really kind of allowed them a chance to regroup. But it was uh, it was very dramatic and uh, good to see the Cubs well, win. Well, I love that people were people on social media were stuck between saying, "Oh, that's so Cub like," oh, "Oh, that's so Indian like," "Oh, that's so Cleveland," "Oh, that's so yeah." yeah. They, they, they couldn't make up their mind which team was supposed to blow the the, the blow the bigger chance. Was it the, blowing the three to one series lead? Was it blowing the five to one game lead? Like, no matter what happened, somebody was going to blow it. The other team was going to luck out, which I thought was it's kind of humorous to watch. Well, somebody on Twitter had pinned a tweet that they did November second, twenty fourteen, when the Cubs yeah. hired Joe Madden. It said uh, you probably saw it. It said two thousand sixteen World Series Cubs Indians tied. In Game Seven, heading to extra innings, then the world ends, and people are like, you know, saying how how fitting that was because when the rain came, I thought, what if that game had, what if it had been like a big storm thing, and they had to like postpone the game, and you start Game Seven on a third, it would have been like the most bizarre thing ever to like start the game, whatever, 24 hours or you know, 20 hours later. And I thought is that that would have been like it would have been like a wholly different game, right? It just so I'm kind of glad they were able to get it in and not have something really weird happen, like everyone goes yeah. home for the night and comes back the next day. But um, or if, if it, that if that but, rain delay had lasted an hour, two yeah. hours, and then it's like 3 a.m. Eastern time, do you call the game? Do you try to get it in with nobody watching? Fox. Fox Sport, Fox executives are calling Major League Baseball. Don't you dare let them play the rest of this game right now. Well, I think they would have probably baseball. Net, they would they would have done everything to not have to play it third. They would have kept playing till six a.m. if they had to because it just you don't want it would have the whole competitive nature probably would have been changed if everybody goes home and sleeps for a few hours and then 
You know, it, it was it was a weird. It was sort of a fitting ending that it came out to be this really highly dramatic game. And they said it was the most watched World Series game in 25 years. So it's it shows yeah. that people actually were really paying attention. And you know, good for the Cubs. And it was interesting too. I did I saw a really smart story today about you know the Cubs as the lovable losers. And people forget they've always been one of the richest teams in baseball. They've just been so poorly managed. It's not like this was a, you know, up from the bootstraps team. Yeah. And until they hired Theo Epstein in whatever, 2000, what, five years ago, 2009, I think, or no, 2011. Yep. It was it was a team with a ton of money that could have won probably numerous World Series except for utter incompetence in who they hired to run their team. So um, <laughs> it's interesting now that, that you have a team that's run by a guy that, you know, you posted a Twitter thing, you know, Theo for president. I mean, look at the, look what he's done. He ended the, the, the Red Sox 86-year streak and ended the Cubs 108-year streaks within a decade. Yep. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, and well, I won't get into presidential politics, but yes, it is it's awfully incredible that this one guy uh, was one of the brain children behind all of this, or, or one of the brains, I guess, behind all behind both of those teams overcoming their their big slumps. And so, congrats to the congrats to the, the to to the Cubs fans, and of course, you know, Cleveland fans are still celebrating the Cavs' big comeback win in their NBA final series. So they still have. They still have something to get excited for, and who knows we'll be back next year. But uh, Well, it was interesting with Epstein now. that he, he's sort of like any other fan with his friends because he actually dropped the F-bomb on a live interview where they had whatever, they had the 6-3 lead, and he was getting texts from people saying, congratulations, and he would reply back, fuck <laughs> you. Like, you don't text someone before the game's <laughs> over. It's it's a jinx. And, you know, so I thought that was very funny because I would get that all the time with the Colts with, you know, Congrat, you know, oh, you do it all. You know, I do it with you. You know, the Patriots oh. up three nothing. Okay, congratulations, Sid. Patriots had this game won, and you're texting me when you know the, the, the your team's up by twenty. With you know, up, not over yet. Yeah. So it's 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 very funny that he had that same reaction to people texting him. Yeah. You know, with four outs to go. So. Well, when you are when you are part of a team that generations have known as a loser, uh, you know, it, it it's nice to. To be able to change that. Speaking of changing over the generations, you see how I did that gym? That was so well done. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a good segue. We have been over over the last you know many years been running a lot of stories about LGBT youth and sports, and, and particularly this year, I feel like we have one or two from a high school student just about every week, and I know that there are more high school stories and, and college athlete stories coming for outsports down the pike for the rest of the next, next couple months, and given it's just kind of a slow news story, news time, we kind, of, we kind of figured that we'd talk about our stories a little bit and talk about what it was like growing up. So long ago, back in uh, well, I, I grew up in the '80s and '90s, and you grew up in what the '70s and '80s. The I late, guess? well, the late '60s or you know through the '70s. Okay, so and 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 you know it's uh, and also the the story that I posted today about the the semi-pro hockey player who came out it kind of ties into that too because just talking to him, it's funny he um, he reached out to me about six years ago, and, and I had to be honest just forgotten about it. Um, you know, him. he wasn't ready to tell a story because six years ago, just hockey was, you know, it was just a horrible, horrible homophobic place. And even he said to me today that sports, you know, it's changed over just the last six years. So I'm curious, you know, as you look out at the landscape from, you know, 30, 40 years ago when, when you were a kid, what 
from the stories that you read today, what have been the big things that you've seen have changed? And what were some of the, your experiences as a kid dealing with the, some of the things uh, just as a gay youth? Well, I think today, I think it's just the sheer number of people who have come out and how, with given the Internet, you don't have to feel isolated anymore. I mean, you yeah. that, that is simply everywhere, and yet still people feel isolated. And I think that whole conundrum, you and I have talked about it, we'll hear from people who say, I thought I was the only one. I mean, don't even do a simple Internet search. And if you do a simple Internet search for gay athletes or gay sports or gay anything, you will find hundreds of links to, you know, thousands of different stories, not only on outsports, everywhere. So I'm, and yet it, show, it shows how being gay is still such an internal thing for people. And they still think that, you know, they're going to somehow be alone and there's nobody like them. Um, in my day, which was a lot long ago, it wasn't even really talked about, and in a weird sense for me growing up, it was ignorance is bliss. I had, yeah. I, mean, I don't think I've, I've never, was never heard the word fag in my school. It was, wow. it was weird. I knew that being attracted to guys was not considered okay, but I never really even was aware I was gay until I was in, you know, 16 or 17 anyway. So I kind of went through that whole period kind of blissfully ignorant of just sexuality in general, which is actually not a bad way to grow up because I wasn't like, I didn't have long sleepless nights. And in my school, at least, it just wasn't, a th and maybe because nobody was talking about it in society. It simply wasn't a topic. And the few representations you saw in the media, man, all were, they were negative. It was always the limp-wristed, effeminate person, you know, um, except there was a very famous All in the Family episode, if anyone, I don't know if you've ever seen that show, you've probably at least right. seen it, right, Rerun, where um, they're one, of the, one of the people is the, the classic stereotypical limpress that I think he's a hairdresser, and Archie's making fun of him for being, you know, a fruitcake and a, I think a fruit or something, and has befriended this macho football player. And, you know, they're in a they're in a diner and doing an arm wrestling thing, you know, what two macho guys do, and Archie's complaining about this guy being a fruit, and the football player goes, well, I'm one of them. And then he, you know, he pins his arm, and I thought, wow, for like 1972 or something, how groundbreaking that right. was to show a gay football player. But it was just, I just kind of blissfully was ignorant of everything, which was a not a bad thing to be at an era when, you know, it wouldn't have been at all possible to come out. So, um you know, anything I was picked on once because I was at a different school for a year, but that was because I was an outsider, had nothing to do with me being gay. And, you know, I just kind of was like, it was it was nice to be kind of clueless, I have to say. Yeah. Well, I, I, it, it, it's interesting, that idea. Well, a couple of things that you brought up, actually. One, hearing fag and, and other slurs, I heard it every single day. When I was mm. in fourth fourth grade... Uh, there was a girl in my class who liked me, and I liked this other girl, and I didn't want to kiss the girl who liked me because I liked this other girl. And because I wouldn't kiss the girl who liked me, she started saying that I was gay, and I didn't even know what that was. And and it was crazy that I remember that day. I remember I remember standing in line waiting to go to art class or whatever it was in fourth grade. I can see it, and I I know the I know the person who's in front of me and the and the girl who was in back of me, and all of a sudden Sid's gay. The entire line started saying it. I'm like, what is this thing? It's clearly not good. I don't even know what it is. 
And I heard it the rest of the entire day. And I went home, and mom, mom told me what it was. I'm like, I don't even, that doesn't even make sense. I, I don't, I don't like boys. I like girls. And for years, every single day, I heard this every day. And I lost friends over it. And and of course, it ended up being true. <laughs> and it's funny. I've always, I've always said that I don't think I was born gay. I just, I just don't feel I was because I know in fourth grade I wasn't into boys, but by seventh or eighth grade I was. Uh, and, and I don't know if, if, if all of that teasing and all of that reinforcement over the years, I've heard that, that it can have an, that, that it's possible that it has an effect. Either way, I don't, even, I don't care why I'm gay. But I did hear it, and I heard it every single day. And when it started to go away was in high school when I started winning. And I remember my sophomore year in high school, I was the MVP of the track team as a sophomore. I was the highest scorer and the most valuable player. And I swear, it, it just started going away so fast then when I started excelling at sports. And by the time I was a senior, I never heard it. I was the fastest person in the school, the track team and the cross-country team. I won you know, several MVP awards. I was the captain of both teams. And it wasn't football. It wasn't basketball or hockey or baseball. But, you know, I was still one of the jocks. I was still one of the guys who, who, was, who could win races. And I was, you know, my name was – announced over the loudspeaker of the school every single, almost every single morning because I was winning some award or winning some meet. And it was just interesting that the, the teasing kind of faded as I started excelling in sports. Well, I think that's probably, that's an interesting dynamic that then it sort of maybe t- turned it on its head for people that, well, maybe he's not gay because he's a jock, um, which again is is, is the stereotype, but I mean, I wonder that you were growing up in, a, in, a, in you know, maybe 12, 13 years later that, that it was right when gay rights movement was sort of in its, you know, early infancy. I mean, Stonewall happened in 69, but really wasn't a lot happening through the 70s for the most part. It was part yeah. of, it wasn't until the 80s that stuff really happened. And I, I wonder if that part of it is that more people were hyper aware of it. And because, again, in my – I mean, I was not even aware – I mean, I knew I liked to look at guys more than girls, but I had no sexual drive at all in high school. It was, like, just totally clueless. But I played tons of sports and had tons of friends. And, you know, two of my best friends turned out, you know, later on they discovered they were gay. Um, yeah. And yet everybody kind of got along in my – in my school in that way. And it was just sort of like an odd thing. And I'm wondering if that's because there just wasn't, wasn't like anyone conceived of the, of the issue of someone being gay as much as they would have say that by the time you were going to school, when it was starting to become more of a a social and political issue. Well, and and by the time I was in school, gays had AIDS and, you know, you know, I grew up on Cape Cod about a half hour from Provincetown. And I remember uh, very clearly you do not go to Provincetown. In fact, our basketball team would play the Provincetown basketball team. I've wanted to write about this for a while, actually. Um, and, and that Provincetown basketball team, those boys, the 10, 12 boys on the basketball team, they heard fag and queer every single time they stepped on the court because that's how you got to the kids who played for Provincetown. And and the team you know was never very good. This town's so small; it couldn't really you know it couldn't really build a very good team. But uh, but you know it, it was and and so I think that was part of it too. That my area was very aware of gay people because of how close it was to Provincetown. And 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 again by 
you know, the mid eighties, gays had AIDS, gays were, they had diseases. And, and, and so it was beyond just being effeminate or weak. I mean, they were problematic. They were diseased. And, and so I think that, that was part of it too, that, that, that being gay was just, I mean, in the eighties, it became a bad thing and the rise of uh, conservative Christianity. I mean, by the end of the eighties, it was, they must, it was, a, I, I wasn't obviously out, but it must've been a very tough time in America to be gay in the late eighties. It, it, well, yeah, and I, I I moved out to L.A. in '85, and it was it was a it, it was very hyper aware that oh my God, if you were gay, you were likely to die, and I think that was a that was the theme in so many other parts of the country. In L.A., of course, at least was a lot more progressive, but um, again, in my era, it just it was a non-issue socially, and so I think it just wasn't things that people talked about, and yet even then, I knew it wasn't a good thing to be gay. I mean, you weren't supposed yeah. to be attracted to other guys. It was almost like it somehow it permeated that this still wasn't a a good thing, and you had to kind of hide it. Because I used to know I used to at least like looking at the boys in gym class because I just found their shapes appealing, but it wasn't the sexual. You know what I mean? Like it was like, and yet mm-hmm. even I knew I couldn't stare too long because it would probably be something considered wrong to do. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I never. I didn't really know what it was. I mean, I, I I realized maybe by seventh grade. I remember by eighth grade, I had a crush on one of the baseball players. I remember that. But I, one of the most vivid memories I have from growing up was I was in seventh grade, and I was with my one of my friends, and and we lived in the middle of the woods. I mean, we we and we would just we would just follow trails into the woods and see where they led, and around this giant reservoir. And I remember one day. We were walking around and came across um, um, uh, a gay porn in the middle of the huh. woods. Somebody had just left there. And I remember we picked it up and flipped through it. And he was like, oh, and I remember being like, oh, my God, what are they doing? Oh, and I remember then I can't remember what he did. Maybe he threw it into the reservoir. I can't remember what he did with it. He destroyed it. And I would go back to the woods and walk through the trails hoping – to find another gay porn that I could keep because I didn't know what the heck these guys were doing, but I knew I wanted to be near that. That was, that was seventh grade. So by seventh grade, I certainly had an idea that I was not straight. Well, I would be this one by one. My older brother's friend was big into weightlifting and bodybuilding. He used to have the bodybuilding magazines. I used to like going over his house in their basement while we were all screwing around and like surreptitiously kind of sneak peeks at his magazine like I was making fun of these guys. Oh, look how gross they look at the same time. Am I saying, ooh, this is really appealing. Like, And yet I knew I couldn't like take that magazine home, and I wanted so much to sort of have a copy in my own house. Um, but I, you know, but it was like, ooh, you know, look, oh, these guys are so, like, like all, because of my sister would say, oh, those guys are gross. And I would like, agree. oh, yeah, it's gross. At the same time thinking, uh, no, I actually find it rather appealing to look at these guys <laughs> flexing their muscles and their little tiny swimsuits. And so the wide world of sports, I don't, you probably, I don't think you ever saw that show. That was before the days sure. before Sports Center, And it was, a, you know, and they would do, you know, spanning the globe, the thrill of victory, the agony, defeat. And they would show offbeat sports all the time. And they would often show a bodybuilding contest. I remember I would look at the TV guide, and if that was on, I would find some reason to be home on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> you just happened to have, you know, and like at the same time, my sisters would like be making fun of these guys, and I would like, 
it was weird. It was like I knew, God, I can't, I, I want to see this for some reason. And yet even then I didn't make the sexual connection. I just was almost like, this is just really nice to look at. And, you know, having to agree with my two sisters saying, oh, how gross they all look. And they're going, oh, my God, that guy's actually kind of nice looking. So, mm-hmm. yeah, now you look at this, what's available on the Internet. It's like, oh, my God, how prehistoric it was back then. You know, you could, you could, You know, you had to go down to the corner magazine store in a small town and buy something like that. No, I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. It, and I, that's that I, for me is the biggest change. What, what what LGBT youth have access to today? I mean, for us for us to to experience gayness, you had to sneak into your your brother's friend's basement, or you had to walk around trails in the woods hoping to stumble <laughs> across a magazine. Today, you just Open up your computer, and I guess there there are probably you know parental things, but I'm, I have to imagine there are websites that get past that, and I mean it's, just, it's all right there, and yeah, right, exactly, and just yeah, right. I mean, I Twitter, there are Twitter, there are Twitter handles that have, uh, you know, crazy. I I I just get shocked by what comes across my Twitter feed from time to time, and 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 I think that's such a huge difference that you get to experience being gay and you get to connect with other gay kids your age. I mean, the, 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 the kids who were assumed to be gay in my high school, the other kids, you know, they're just kids I would never hang out with because, my mm-hmm. God, if two or three of us hung out together, or I, I mean, literally, there were several kids who were assumed to be gay. Those were the last kids I would ever be caught dead around. Because if two or three of us were together, my God, then they must all be gay and they're hanging out, right? I mean, if you couldn't be friends, that's the worst thing you could possibly be. And today you can just kind of do that in secret via email and Facebook and all these other things. Well, I remember, you know, Bat, we, I, went, I was in a super Catholic part of Pennsylvania, which I guess all Pennsylvania pretty much was back then. But we had to go to Catholic summer school, which I hated. You know, like yeah, I got to li- you know listen to the sermon like eight to noon, like you know four days a week. It was miserable during the summer, you know, and it, it, it was just expected to do. And I remember the priest, I will not name him, always had some assistant, and he had one assistant, Tommy, who was gorgeous. Even then, I knew he was gorgeous, and he was the <laughs> you can tell he was the priest favorite. I used to wonder later. I hope nothing really bad happened to Tommy, you know, given all the stuff with the Catholic Church. But mm-hmm. I remember when he would have the girl helpers, it was like, that's ah, boring. But Tommy would be there, be like, ooh, we got to all play on the playground and do sports. And the priest was so friendly to Tommy. And I thought, you know, now years later, I thought, hmm, I wonder oh, if something geez. went on back there with Tommy. But even then I knew, God, Tommy was really beautiful. Like, you know, he was probably six, seven years older than I was. And when Tommy would, like, have the – well, like, it was Tommy's turn to lead us in exercise. It was like, ooh, this is fun as opposed to some girl, you know, who wants to see a girl lead you in exercises. Yeah, well, certainly yeah, well, didn't want that. Uh, well, and, and uh, now, did you play sports in high school? I was never a joiner. I played tons. I played sports all the time with my in my neighborhood. We played We'd in a, we'd winter we'd flood the backyard and play hockey. We played basketball. We played football. We built our own goalposts. We played baseball, wiffle ball. We did like everything, except I had no desire to ever join a team. I just was like didn't want anything to do with it because I had this rich life outside of it, where I was able to do yeah. anything I wanted to. And you know my I was lived near an abandoned golf course, which meant you had tons of space and just you know. Um, 
so maybe that was part of it is that growing up I was never had that you know if I was on a team it was because I was a group of people I wanted to be on a team with not oh this is these are your teammates there but um yeah, so I kind of avoided that whole locker room stuff, except for the gym class. And for some bizarre reason, in our gym class, no one realized nobody showered. Like we all showered at home, yeah. so we would like walk around at school like kind of sweaty from gym class, which is kind of a bizarre experience. Yeah, we had the same thing. No, no, no one showered after gym class. And and today, I oh, this the thought is like so gross to be getting back in your. Long pants and long sleeve shirt, all sweaty mm-hmm. and gross. It seems, I, I ugh. but it. I mean, nobody showered after gym class, and most athletes didn't even shower after a game. And I, you know, I ran track and cross country, so I was your, I was your typical, uh, in, individual sport, gay kid. And I, you know, I remember going to the um, my freshman year. I went to, I went to basketball tryouts, and the first, I went to the first day. And going locker room and changing, and then being on the court, and the whole atmosphere of the team, of the locker room, and everything. I left that first tryout saying, I, I, I don't belong here. This is not for me. Not, not thinking, oh, it's you know because I'm gay, but but looking back, that's absolutely why I felt that there was so much macho bullshit around. Just being around the team that I didn't really experience on the track and cross country teams. I certainly, certainly heard gay slurs on, on, on the track and cross country teams. And there was certainly a straightness about them, but it just wasn't the bat being around the basketball team in the locker room was at the whole other level. I remember changing um, the cross country team would change in the locker room at the same time the soccer team would. And again, just being around those soccer guys, it was just like, it was a whole other level of jockness and macho, bullshit that I just I just didn't want to have anything to do with and and still, again not not realizing it was because I've I'm I was gay but I you know I people talk about um you know it, it the the locker room atmosphere not just being hard because of homophobia but also just just the the macho aura and the constant talk about women and dating girls and stuff like that it just it just adds to this environment. I certainly felt that around the basketball and the and the and the soccer teams in high school. Well, you know, we now know just because we're older and have studied this is that it's all a pose for so many people. It's how you're supposed to act. It's part of the culture. You have to brag about your exploits and. You know, we've had how many gay athletes have told us that they, they, of course, participated in that because they wanted to be seen one of the boys. And that's why we yeah. talk to pro athletes. They say they don't hear that kind of st- – their locker rooms, at least the professional level, are much more professional than high school. We have, we have kids wrestling with just being sexual in general, whether they're gay or straight, and then you just add on those layers of macho-ness and – you know who who has the bigger dick and who you know who can score and so people just engage in that. So if you're at all self-aware of that you're different, you would realize real quickly that you do not kind of want to fit in with that because you're not going to probably made to be feel welcome. And you know I think it's a nature of just adolescence in general, but add the gay part to it, and I think that's why a lot of gay people historically have kind of to more shy towards individual sports where they feel maybe a little a little more comfortable. And all of this, of course, has gone hand in hand since I, since we were kids. The, the idea of gay marriage wasn't even an idea yeah. in in most people's heads. Certainly, when you were a kid, and even when I was a kid. I mean, 
by the time I was, uh, you know, had uh, late in college or graduated college, I think people started talking about marriage. I think maybe Hawaii had created um, civil partnerships by them, WN or something. But uh, that all of this, the internet and all of this community and the connections and the acceptance has gone kind of hand in hand with the with just the, the the legal changes and the protections and all the protections that kids have today in a lot of states in high school. Um, it's uh, it really it really is. A, I I I hope that some youth listen to this podcast because because I I think most of them don't know really how far we've come so quickly. Yeah, and there's still a lot of work to do. There's still nobody out in the four sports, but just the just the access to information you have that it just is it's astonishing. I'll hear people complain about you know the apps like Grinder and Tinder and Scruff, and I want to say, well, I would have loved to have that when I was you know 21 years old. You know, to know that there are other people that I could look at this thing and say, oh, they are like me in some way. And despite all the BS that happens with these apps, it's so much easier now to just meet people and to sort of associate with people that that in and of itself is a big deal. Not feeling isolated and alone is is such a huge advantage to yeah. helping yourself deal with yourself. Well, I, I well, if, if I had Grinder in college, man, oh, life would have been a lot more fun. But <laughs> <laughs> we have Grinder now, so that's uh, there's no looking back. Um, all right, well, that's all the time we have this week. Uh, we will do everything we can to avoid the election uh, talking like the next week. Um, either way, I'm sure you'll be glued to the set like us. We will talk to you then.